other context to this is um, a sort of series of interesting um, contextual things, I think, right? Where Japanese culture uses, or I guess culture everywhere, but this in, in Japan in particular here in this case, uses laws targeted at one thing, ostensibly, to actually target something else. One of the best examples of that and the most relevant because the legal team that was involved in overturning this law I'm about to tell you about was also involved in the Supreme Court case to do with the tattoo ban, um, was a ban on dancing. So after the Second World War, uh, Japan put in this kind of, uh, put in this legal framework, uh, which gets called Fueho. Um, again, apologies to anyone who speaks Japanese because I cannot speak Japanese. But there was this there was this no dancing rule. So you needed to have a license to have any kind of dancing in your venue. Venues that did allow dancing were restricted by size and they all had to close very early by kind of European standards, I suppose, like kind of 1 a.m. basically. This isn't a cultural hatred against dancing, um, but it was to do with a law to try and control sex work, prostitution, um, to try and cut down on the power and influence of gang members and yakuza who were running venues, who you know, who who used uh, nightclubs and similar venues to kind of meet, organise, and to launder money and all that kind of stuff that that, that gangsters do all over the world, um, and so that. The, this law, this this attempt to basically stop legalized dancing happening, also had you know to, to stop um, was intended to stop people meeting and congregating with sex workers. Right, the dancing is sort of almost irrelevant. Right, it's a tool to achieve a kind of cultural end, and law, laws often work like that. Right, and so the same is sort of true in with tattooing. Really, as early as uh, you know, about 20, 2010, this guy called Toru Hashimoto became mayor of Osaka. And he was a particularly kind of conservative character. He was a particularly kind of gung-ho, you know, tough on crime kind of guy. And he was very popular. Um, he was young. He was only 42 years old. He had he was elected in a huge voter turnout. and. Yeah, he basically kind of, you know, was this tough on crime, tough uh, kind of policing figure that, that, again, we see all over the world. One of his real bugbears was tattooing, um, partly because tattooing was associated with crime more generally. Um, famously in Japan, the Yakuza, the, the, the um, kind of Japanese mafia, if you like, had been really associated with tattooing since uh, the post-war period. And, you know, in the 1970s, something like 70% of Yakuza members were tattooed. So partly this this suspicion of tattooing was a way to, you know, try and make it very difficult for Yakuza to infiltrate the public sector, to work in the police force, to to have kind of jobs in the public sector. Uh, but it was also this just conservative moral distaste. So he also for the police forces in Osaka basically made um, extremely conservative uniform regulations. So he basically banned beards, piercings, and trendy or unnatural hairstyles um, for police city workers and for teachers in public schools. 
and he also banned tattoos, right? He in May 2012 he said that public servants, if they want tattoos, they should quit and work for the private sector instead. There's a really good article on this um, in the journal Japanese Studies from 2021 by art, uh, authors Stacey Steele and Geraldine Carney at the University of Melbourne. So I'm uh, drawing upon their work here. They basically outline in this article what um, Hashimoto was doing. He he really just wanted to, you know, in, in that traditional conservative way, make people behave themselves. So he tried to yeah force tattooed people out of em- employment. They changed the ethics rules for employees of the city to require employees who did have tattoos to conceal them, and then also to basically ban them from having any more done. Um, they also did this survey, and this survey asked um, employees if they had any tattoos, and if they had, yes, they had to put on the form where they were tattooed. And then um, as a result of this, basically people started to be fired or at least changed into jobs where they wouldn't be public facing. So he sent this survey to over 33,000 employees. 99.9% of them completed it. You know, Japanese people, uh, Japanese culturally uh, are very good at responding to official requests because the whole country is very bureaucratic. Um, out of those 33,000, only 113 reported having a tattoo, and 98 of those employees had tattoos which were visible on arms or below the knee. Um, this was um, largely in the Environment Bureau or the Transportation Bureau or the Construction Bureau. So manual labourers, garbage disposal men, all that kind of stuff. Um uh, the government then told these employees that they had to cover them up and they were going to transfer them into positions where they would not come into contact with other citizens. This was so strict that that 99.9% response rate wasn't quite enough. 30 people didn't complete the survey. 15 were ill and 15 other ones just sort of refused to. Those people were then punished uh, and threatened with reprimands and kind of disciplinary action for not filling the form. So this is how strict this guy was and how much he hated tattooing. Um, those employees, actually, the ones that refused and were threatened with disciplinaries, filed lawsuits and um, and complaints and, yeah, ultimately um, uh, did not uh, did not win their cases. The legal context here as well is, is interesting because it also obviously relies on a kind of understanding of of privacy, right? Whether you're you, what what you have have the right to conceal from your employer, and actually, culturally, politically, obviously, privacy is a very hot issue um, in the area of era of social media and in the area of, of of surveillance culture and stuff. And this gets framed um, in this article, but also in general in Japanese conversation at the time as a kind of discussion not just about tattoos but also about privacy. Um, so. As I said, these um, employees who sued did not prevail, or at least did not prevail entirely. It it was decided, actually, that this law did breach a kind of privacy protection order. But actually, it ruled at the same time that the city did sort of have a right to, um, to ask these questions. Right. The court, and this is again quoting from the article, the court accepted that the survey had been necessary noting that despite measures put in place to ensure the appropriateness of staff appearance, tattoos could still have a problem and lead to public criticism of the public service of the city of Osaka 
even though the report of the welfare worker threatening the child in state care with his tattoo was unconfirmed by the government or court. So one of this is one of this one of the um controversies was that apparently some uh some tattooed worker had like threatened a child <laughs> and then had rolled up his sleeve and gone, I'll show you. I'll show you how um how bad uh, I am, you know, if you don't behave because I've got a tattoo. That also actually has an interesting context. Um one of the uh in 2007, so about six or seven years earlier than we're talking about with these cases in Osaka, there was an in, there was a kind of increased legal, uh, you know, impetus to try and crack down on the yakuza and tr- crack down on on the um, activities of of criminal gangs in in Japan. One of those uh, one of those acts was to basically uh, make a lot of things that the yakuza did more explicitly illegal, more specifically against the law. Mm-hmm. 